Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Everything Imaginable. My name is Gary Cacciolillo, your host, and today we have Robert C. Robert Robinson, author of Wood Knocks Volume 3 and Legend Tripping. How are you, Robert? I'm doing good, man. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Hey, you know, I was just reading for your uh, bio for the show, and um, it's kind of funny. One of the things in here, you talked about the TV show um, In Search Of. You yeah. know, when I was a kid, I must have been like, I guess seven or eight years old. And I remember watching it. It was hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me interested in this stuff. Was I, it, it was an awesome show. It really was. I mean, I remember every week. In fact, um, you know, that's before they had the DVD or, or, or uh, you know, video recorders or mm-hmm. DVD recorders and stuff. And I used to go get, get cassettes and I would uh, plug my uh, cassette player in. And just to tape them and just sit down in, in my room and just listen to it, you know. So, I mean, it was, I love the show. Yeah, me too. And it was also the first time I saw the Patterson footage was on that show when I was a kid. Yeah, that was, that's true. And they, uh, he's, uh, uh, they also did the, uh, the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which was a, that's where I was introduced to it. I didn't even know anything about it until I saw that episode. Um, I knew a little bit about the Yeti and, uh, you know, they did a couple, actually did a couple episodes, uh, dealing with the, uh, the abominable snowman. Yeah. Uh, and, um, of course, Bigfoot. And they did an episode too called Monster Hunters where they actually, uh, uh, had some, uh, people that, uh, go out there and, uh, it was kind of a, I don't know, definitely whetted my appetite to wanting to get out there and do that stuff. Yeah, me too. It definitely had an effect on me as a kid. You know, maybe just curious, like, could actually, could these things actually exist? And we've not found them yet. Um, so what got, is that, uh, is that what originally got you interested in the cryptozoology? Uh, well, I would say if I was to, uh, and in fact, I, always, I talk about it in my book and everything else. I think at the defining moment where I was, you know, bitten by the cryptozoology bug was when I went and saw that movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek. Um, it's kind of funny, you know, when we went to go see it, uh, we were uh, living in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It was playing the drive-in. We went there. Didn't know anything about it. You know, my dad said, hey, let's go to the movies. They got a double feature. Let's go watch it. And it was the first movie on. And... Uh, I saw the legend of Boggy Creek, didn't really pay too much attention to it. And then when I took my brother to the popcorn stand, I saw the poster and I went, what the heck is this movie about? You know, and it said at the bottom, this is a true story. So, you know, we got back to the car and we watched it and it just, it scared the crap out of me. You know, the whole idea of a big hairy monster living in the, uh, the uh, roaming and prowling around the swamps of uh, Southern Arkansas. And, uh, you know, I don't even remember what the second movie was to this day because that movie rattled me so much. But, you know, <laughs> I, I got home, you know, my dad said, hey, take the dogs out to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, I'm not going out there by myself. So I went and grabbed my little brother and I said, you're going to come out here with me because I can run faster than you. So if it's out there, 
I'm going to make it back and you're going to get, you know, eaten by the monster. And uh, which needless to say, we lived in an apartment complex in the middle of town. So, you know, it, it, it didn't happen. But uh, I went to school and talked to it. And our teacher brought up, you know, the whole Bigfoot thing and the Yeti. And we went, I went to the library and found books by, you know, Ivan T. Sanderson and John Keel, Jerome Clark and some others. And I just, and I just got into it. I mean, I think was it, in fact, was it, it scared me so much. I wanted to know more about it. And in reading about it, it just kind of, I wasn't, as, uh, it, I, I started getting intrigued with the whole idea that there are, you know, creatures out there that science kind of hasn't acknowledged as the expression goes. And people today all over the world are seeing these kind of creatures. So, and it just kind of, it just kept going on and on. I mean, when, and, uh, in 19, I think it was 1976, we were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And Ripley's had a museum called The World of the Unexplained. Uh-huh. And I had a big, uh, 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 you know, a Bigfoot statue when you walked in. And it had the Yeti and uh, all this other stuff. And it just kind of... Stuff like that just kept getting my interest and me going on it. And it's just been that way ever since. Um, so did you, how did you get into the investigating part of it? Did you just start out as like an amateur? Or did, did you join like a group like BFRO? Yeah, actually I did. I mean, I pretty much, you know, in the Army I was a military police and I, you know, very rarely ever got, you know, I got, you know, one night we got told there was a Bigfoot across the road and I drove out there and it turned out it was a, it was a sniper uh, class out there and some guy was in a, you know, ghillie suit and ran across mm-hmm. the road. So, um, but, um, I mean, I remember in high school, I took some of my friends over to Louisiana, um, Missouri to go look for Momo. But unfortunately, we didn't really think that whole trip out and didn't take any camping equipment. So, you know, I mean, we did go over to where the, the sightings occurred, but that's all, you know, that was pretty much it. But when I retired from the Army, yeah, I definitely, I hooked up with uh, Matt Moneymaker from the BRFO. And when he came down around my area, he called me up and I went out with him and looked at him. That's when I actually really got into the the whole, you know, monster hunting slash investigating slash researching. Okay. Um, I didn't know you knew Matt Moneymaker. Oh, yeah, I know Matt, I know Cliff, and I know Bobo. I don't know, uh, oh, God, I don't even remember her name. I, I've Renee. met her. <laughs> Renee. Renee. I, I've met her, but I really don't know her as well as I know the other three. Yeah. yeah I've talked to a few people that, that know Bobo. <laughs> oh, Bobo, I love him. He's a great guy. Yeah, everybody, said, everybody loves Bobo. He's just a, he's a very down-to-earth, very uh, easy to talk to kind of, well, actually, so is Cliff. Yeah. I mean, I did. I went to uh, um, Hickory Hills Bigfoot Conference, and we went out to these people' house. They had a sighting, and, and Bubba was in watching a football game. And I said, oh, "Well, I'm going to go walk around and you know where this you know around these people' houses. You know, I mean, it was a daytime. Yeah. And I started walking down this hill, and I heard a noise. Look out! And there's Bubba coming down with me. He says, "I'll come with you, man." I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so he came down with me. We walked around a little bit. We didn't find anything. But it was just, you know, it was pretty cool just looking around and having him with me was kind of a, an added uh, bonus. Yeah. And he's had some, a couple of counters while he was a logger, correct? I think. Yes. Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, go, go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to ask, um, you know, like, like out of the places that you visited, what were some of your favorite? Um, well, I mean, the bottom line of my favorite place was Loch Ness as a kid. You know, when my mom uh, took me over there to go visit it, I was just, it was just like, you know, the holy grail of cryptozoology at that time, you know. Uh, we're talking 1975, right. and, uh, you know, we went there and, you know, froze our tails off because it's really, I don't know, you know, a lot of people don't know, it actually gets cold there during times of the year. And uh, it was just a real thing, and I didn't, for that, at that time in my life, I didn't know Loch Ness was that big. For some reason, I thought it was smaller. And oh. then when we got to it, I went, holy cow, you can't see the other side, you know? And, uh, I mean, it's huge. It's a gigantic lake. And uh, I found out later Robert Ballard was out there uh, with the National Geographic. I mean, I didn't see him. I mean, I did see some of the National, Geogra uh, National Geographic uh, vehicles. But I didn't, you know, I mean, we're talking, I was like, what, 12, 13 years old. So, you know, but, uh, you know, that was kind of a neat, a neat thing. And, and, and the whole idea of there being some kind of a creature, you know, so... It, it, that, I, I mean, I've done a lot of neat stuff, but, you know, Loch Ness is definitely one of the neatest. Do you think um, with, with, with Ness, didn't somebody confess for that picture being a hoax? And there was a guy that came forward said I, um, a reporter had done it, had taken a toy submarine and put a, uh, a, a model dinosaur on top of it in order to give the newspaper a, uh, a, um, a photo because I guess he had gotten fired or came under scrutiny because he got caught using a, um, a elephant or hippo track that had been converted into a, a table. And he was out using those to make prints and somebody got wind of it. So to get back at the newspaper, he, he, he came up with that photo. Well, that's what they say, you know, I mean, my whole thing is, you know, that whole toy, the idea of the submarine toy, I didn't think they really had, had developed it at that time frame. But, I mean, a lot of people are accepting that, 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 that theory that it was just a toy dinosaur that he filmed to get back to the newspaper. That's a good point that I never thought of. I don't, I don't remember there being any submarine toys in back then either. Well, I, I went and looked, and I, they, they didn't have that kind of sophisticated toys back then. Yeah. And let alone a dinosaur model, you know? I mean, it just, I don't know. I mean, what does that say? The jury's still out on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, how about Lake, uh, Lake Champagne? Oh, Champ. Uh, I, I got to visit that um, when I was in the Army. We were on our way back from uh, Fort Drum. And I looked on the map and I said, holy cow, we're not too far from Lake Champlain. And the guy driving goes, what's Lake Champlain? And I said, that's where Champ's at, dude. That's where there's a, there is a lake monster there. He said, can I get you to, you know, can we kind of do a detour? I'd really like to see this place. And he goes, yeah, as long as you buy me lunch. I said, not a problem. I got, I got you for lunch. So we went up there. <laughs> we looked around a little bit of bottom lunch. Beautiful. It's a beautiful area. Um, unlike Loch Ness, which is actually a very beautiful area, you know, mm -hmm. in the highlands and stuff. We were out there during the summertime, and it was just, I'll tell you, I, I didn't want to leave, you know. And we did find a sign for, you know, talking about Champ and stuff. It was pretty neat. 
it seems like the the lake monster, like almost every large lake has their own version of a Loch Ness monster. You would be surprised. When I was researching my new book, International Legend Tripping, I couldn't believe how many lake monsters I was able. I mean, Russia, there's even one, uh, Izzy, in Japan. Japan even says they have a lake monster. Um, there's one down in Ecuador. There's one down in Argentina. Uh, of course, Canada has Ogopoga. And, uh, you know, in fact, uh, Lake uh, Loch Moor, right next to Loch Ness, well, I guess it's not right next to Loch Ness, it's near it. It also has legends of having a, uh, a lake monster in it as well. And there's a lake uh, in Ireland that supposedly has a lake monster. So, I mean, it's, they're all over the place. Hmm. Do we have any, any here in the USA, like in the uh, Great Lakes? I'm sorry, say that again? Are there any in the Great Lakes here in the U.S.? Yeah, there's been some sea serpent seen in the Great Lakes. Lake uh, Superior uh, supposedly has a, uh, it's been, people have seen something out in Lake Superior. Do you have any theories on what these things are? Hmm, that's a good one. I mean, I, you know, the, everybody, of course, goes with the whole Polisiosaurus theory, you know, yeah. and, uh, dinosaur, but... You know, Loch Ness now, they're trying to, you know, they're kind of shifting over toward that it might be a, a large eel because mm -hmm. they do have eels there. Um, that's a good question. I mean, you know, until we really get one, and I'm not going to say I advocate go out and kill one of these. I, I, I'm, I'm very much against killing any of these these type cryptids for the record. You know? Right. Um, but, I mean, we got, you know, it's, until we get a really good definitive video, uh, it's no telling what it could. I mean, people have mistaken sturgeons. And if you've ever seen a sturgeon in the water, yeah. it's a pretty freaky looking, a freaky looking uh, fish when you see it in the water. You know? I mean, there are theories, you know, like the sturgeon theory. Um, I think the idea that, that these things have been reported all around the world. Yes leads to some validity to that there's might be some other species living in these lakes that we are have not discovered yet well you know that's a whole de uh, definition of cryptozoology animals not you know defined by science or acknowledged or you know so i mean we're always discovering new things especially animal you know um they found a new ape over in the Congo, you know? Yeah. Uh, they're always finding stuff. I mean, uh, over in the Congo, and there's supposed to be a dinosaur, Makili Mamembe, that people have seen in the Congo Basin. I mean, the natives swear up and down that this animal exists. They describe it as a long neck, uh, larger than an elephant, and that, that you know, that the hippopotamuses are scared of this thing. You know, so, and I mean, you know, down in South America, we got reports of large, and you know, a anaconda, but large snake type creatures down there. I mean, you know, even the, uh, I know a lot of people know this, but you know, that old movie, The Creature of the Black Lagoon, the whole idea of that movie came when uh, the uh, producers heard somebody talking about a, a aquatic humanoid that supposedly legend has it lives there over in the Amazon basin. Hmm. And that's where they came up with the idea for the, uh, for the creature. I didn't know that story. What are the other things, back to the lakes, 
Is a lot of these large lakes are also famous for UFO, UFO activity too. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, over in Puerto Rico, they got a large lake over there where, you know, people have reported seeing it coming out of the lake. They've been seen coming out of the, you know, the ocean and stuff. Um, you know, uh, you know, now with the government kind of coming clean with some of the UFO reports out there, you know, people are starting to take a different look at it. You know, before, well, we weren't sure, you know, the government says it's just, you know, something else. And now they're coming up clean saying, well, yeah, it is something we couldn't explain. We don't know what it is. So, you know, there are UFOs out there, you know, where they come from is, you know, you know, hopefully someday we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I recently just posted the video of Mark Rubio talking about um, taking UFOs seriously, you know, because they're flying in, our, in, you know, restricted airspace. So they need to be, you know, looked at as a real threat. Well, you know, you don't know why they're coming here. You know, bottom line, you can say, oh, they're just coming to visit. We don't know that. Right. Now, I hate to say, kind of get off on this tangent like I'm talking, like I'm somebody, you know, from the movie Independence Day. Mm -hmm. uh, but we really don't know why they're here, you know. And, you know, maybe we do need to be a little bit cautious on, on the you know, side of what's going on, you know. Because if, you know, you let your guard down, you know, you, you lose, you know, your cities get blown up. <laughs> yeah, you can't just assume that their presence is benign. Mm hmm. I mean, there's reports of people being abducted. And I mean, there are some reports out there, which I, you know, like Barney and Betty Hill, when they were abducted yes. over there in New Hampshire. I mean, they, they passed a lie detector test on the whole uh, incident. So, I mean, you know, there are stories of people being abducted by aliens. Do I believe all of them? No, but I do, you know, I do think there's some validity to some of them out there. And I agree with you. I'm on the same page, too. I don't believe all, but I definitely believe some of them are true. I've talked to some people, and, you know, uh, I have a uh, lady down here. Oh, God, her name forgets me now. I have her book, too. And she's animate about it, you know. I mean, she, and in fact, it, 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 it just, it's very disturbing for her. Very, how would I say it? Um, psychologically disturbing for her to recall the whole incident. Yeah, I have a friend who says he was abducted. However, he will not talk about it. He'll, he'll say that it happened as far as talking about any details or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. he, he, he totally won't, you know, he, he's, he's afraid to relive it in his own mind even. Okay. It, it, you know, I, I have, you know I, have not, I have not been abducted. Not that I know of. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like I have. But, uh, you know, looking at some of the interviews, I mean, it does. It, it leaves a, uh, a, a, uh, a psychological scar on you. Yeah, it seems like it's something that people don't necessarily recover from. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to know about aliens and stuff, but I don't know if I really want to be, a, you know, going to, you know, taken into a spaceship and examined and all this other stuff, you know. But, yeah, I could do without the examination part. <laughs> <laughs> um, with with the Bigfoot, like one one of your uh, books is the the Woodnox Volume Three. Um, mm -hmm. 
And, and let's talk, I think, to a couple of Bigfoot experts now about these topics of wood dogs. In fact, one of them um, has CDs out of, of you know, Bigfoot um, howls and, and wood docks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the question is, why would they choose Woodnocks as a way of communication? Well, um, it's a very simple way. You know, I mean, we hear noises all the time in the woods. A lot of times, most people don't acknowledge the knock. They think it's a tree branch or, a, you know, a tree banging onto another tree because of the wind. You know, uh, I mean, I've been out with my wife. We were out on the Florida Trail. And we went back there, and also, you know, my wife said, hey, okay, I've gone far enough. Let's turn around. Let's go back to the car. We turned around, and no sooner had we turned around and walked in. Bang! We heard this knock, and my sheep looked at me. He goes, that's a dog on a wood knock. It was somebody hitting something against a tree. And I kept thinking, you know, I thought, I thought to myself, they, that was a wood knock to tell who's ever out there that the, the humans there have turned around and are going back out of the woods. So I definitely, it, it definitely, you, you know, I mean, most investigators agree it's it's used as some form of of a signal to the other uh, other animals out there. So you think it's a warning to say, hey, there's humans here. That's what I think it is. You know, and and I and I base that totally off the the, the incident with my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, we, when we had turned around and started walking back. Um, why do you think they go to such great lengths to avoid humans? Well, I think in the past, humans have been kind of dangerous to them. I mean, um, in Texas, the Bigfoot hunters, there, their whole goal is to go ahead and shoot and kill themselves a Bigfoot. They, they say, hey, the only way we're going to prove this animal is there, we gotta, we got to get us a body. Yeah, I don't like so that. They don't hesitate, you know, and, and it's funny because the, the big, not all, not all the investigators are like it. I don't, I don't want to label all Texas Bigfoot hunters as, right. you know, that way, because that's not true. But there are some investigators that believe wholeheartedly you got to have a body, and they go out there with a the gun and they see it, they're going to shoot it. So these animals, you know, in the past, you know, have been, you know, I'm not going to say terrorized, but, you know, shot at by humans so they you know they probably view the human beings as kind of a uh, something to stay away from do you think that they're actually some type of human because it seems like whenever um dna is collected in these bigfoot investigations the hairs and stuff like that when they research it it almost always comes back as as human well, I mean, we don't know what this animal is. You know, I have somebody, you know, ask me, say, well, how come we don't find any bones mm-hmm. on this creature? I said, well, if we find bones, I'll be able to tell you exactly what this creature is. At this point in time, we don't know what it is. I mean, we think it's some sort of a, a type of primate. That's what I believe. But uh, as far as the, uh, the actual DNA in this thing, until we wholeheartedly find one, and again, I'm I'm uh, I'm one of those people who you know when I go out there I don't take any firearms I take bear mace just as a, a protective measure. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's not to say if I'm walking through the woods one time and I find a dead bigfoot I'm not I'm going to leave it there. I always joke to my friends I'm going to you know 
get that sucker, put it in the back of my truck and take it to the nearest Hardee's, stick it in their freezer, because Hardee's has these really big freezers, and call all my friends and let them come see it real quick before the government takes it away from me. You think the government knows about them? Oh, I'm sure they, they you know, I mean, the government knows everything. I mean, I'm not trying to get on the conspiracy thing, but I mean, I, you know, I've served in the military. The government knows everything. Hmm. Um, so, so you're definitely, because I had spoken with um, a Native American expert on Bigfoot in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was Tom Seawood. And he has a story about a long, long, long time ago, there was, um, you know, different Indian tribes and one of the chiefs decided, hey, you know what? We don't want to use tools. We don't want to use fire. We don't want anything, any part of this. And he took his tribe out into the wilderness, and they evolved into what we can we call now Bigfoot or the wild man. Well, I've never heard that story. I mean, I've, you know, I've talked to, well, to be honest, I've only talked to the Seminoles about the, uh, the whole Deal. And they wholeheartedly believe that the animal's out there. You know, in fact, they believe that we, in fact, they say, you guys need to leave it alone. It's not doing nothing, you know, it's not doing anything to anyone, just leave it alone. But it, they believe it's out there. Um, you know, you got the story of the Wendigo up in uh, Canada, mm-hmm. you know, which some people actually think it's more of a, uh, might actually be a Bigfoot than it is a, uh, whatever this creature has been described as. I mean, if you go on type Wendigo, you're going to see all kind of numerous depictions of what the, the people think this animal looks like or creature looks like. I mean, it's, it's, it's a neat legend, though. Don't get me wrong. Yes. How about, like, where I'm at, I live, like, in Alabama near the Florida border. Down here, we consider it a skunk Oh, yeah. That's what we have here in Florida, the skunk ape. And it, is a skunk ape the same thing as a Bigfoot, you think? I, I think we're dealing with I think initially we're dealing with the same kind of creature. Um, again, until we capture one, it's, you know, but it does seem to be, you know, because it's uh, ironically, you'll get some investigators down here in Florida say that the uh, skunk ape isn't quite as big as the Bigfoot. You know, the skunk ape average is about six foot. But I've, I've recovered tracks from people that have seen it. And these tracks are the same size as the uh, tracks that have been taken over in California and Oregon and Washington State. And if you look in the uh, newspaper reports back in the 70s and 80s, you know, they reported this animal to be approximately, you know, eight to ten feet tall. So, I mean, it's... Roughly the same size as, you know, the Sasquatch, the Bigfoot, that's mm-hmm. seen over uh, on the West Coast. So my own personal theory, again, this is me talking, is I think it's the same species of animal, but I think the only thing that separate or the only thing different is, you know, the, uh, the environment. Whereas the skunk ape doesn't seem to be as girth as the, uh, the Sasquatch and the Bigfoot over on the West Coast. And I would attribute to the, uh, the temperature. You know, whereas over in that West Coast, it gets cold over there, so the animal develops a definitely a layer of fat to, to, to deal with the cold. Whereas here in Florida, it doesn't need that. No, definitely not. 
you know, I mean, I had a, a lady that saw it and she felt she was in her tree stand and she, she fell asleep, woke up and the thing was looking up at her. And she made a comment that the thing looked like a, a Bigfoot in very good shape. You know, she said she could see the muscle line. It was very distinct. It had a very human face, she said. And it just, she started screaming for her husband and the animal walked, you know, took off. Well, she said it didn't run. It just kind of walked off back into the wall, uh, into the swamps. I actually, next week I have a guest coming on. His name is Justin L. Snyder. And he has some thermal footage of a skunk ape that he took that's really, really good. Oh, I'll have to look at that. Yeah, and it looks exactly like a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. But a little bit smaller. Well, it's interesting enough, if you get up, up, up at the panhandle toward Perry and over toward um, Tallahassee, yep. it's pretty much, they just refer to it as Bigfoot. It's only when you get toward the center, uh, central Florida, down toward, you know, uh, southern Florida, that it, you know, it gets called a skunk ape. Yeah, they call it a Bigfoot up here. And I'm like in Alabama, like right on the coast near Pensacola. Yeah. And, and they do refer to it as a Bigfoot up here. In fact, I've heard stories here. I haven't seen one or even going out looking here. But I've heard stories where it's easier to see a Bigfoot than it is to see a deer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I have to come up to your neck of the woods and look. <laughs> it, you know, and I kind of believe, like, it's, it's a very unpopulated area. Um, there's tons and tons of food source. And it would be very easy for a Bigfoot to hide here, for, for a lot of, a good population of them to hide here. Well, I always tell people, if you're going to go out and look for it, you need to find yourself a water source. Because these animals are known for being close to rivers and maybe lakes. But, you know, they, they go where the food's at, you know, like any other animal does. Yeah. Um, do you buy into any of the theories of, like, Bigfoot being, like, a multidimensional type of creature? Um, I always tell people, you know, the, the jury's still out. I haven't seen anything to indicate that. Uh, I always tell people I have an open mind, but I don't keep it so open that my brain falls out. Um, as, of, as of right now, I'm, de I'm dealing with this animal as a flesh and blood, a blood creature. Uh, but who's to say I won't go out there? You know, I... I Interestingly enough, back in the uh, uh, 70s and stuff, there was a, an investigator down here. Ramona Clark Hibner was her name. And a very dedicated investigator. She passed away in 1986. But um, she said that, you know, she was also, you know, getting reports of UFOs in the same area where they were getting Bigfoot sightings. And at first she used to just, kind of push that the UFO sightings aside and just focus on the on the Bigfoot sightings. But she said after a while, she just kind of noticed there was some kind of a, uh, you know, where there was Bigfoot sightings, there was UFO sightings, you know. So um, she didn't see anything that, you know, you know, she didn't see a, a flying saucer come down and a Bigfoot come out of it or anything like that. But it just, you know, it just it kind of took her, that she noticed there was some kind of, you know, similarity in, the, in that. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I do keep an open mind, 
the whole idea of this animal being able to go into a different dimension and stuff like that, it just seems to me like if an animal like this has the ability to do that, wouldn't it be in, in charge of this planet instead of the humans? You know, I mean, this is an animal that can go back and forth in dimensions and, you know, it just seems like it's, it's, it's above the human on the uh, intelligence scale to be able to do this. But maybe it's a scout. You know, I, I don't dispel any of that. I mean, as far as a scout goes, I, I go back to the whole um, Jane Goodall when she was doing her, her deal about the, um, gorillas. You know, uh, you know, gorillas have a pod, and believe it or not, they actually have a, a scout that stays out there and kind of keeps an eye, and, and, you know, so if anything comes close like humans, the scout sees them and alerts the pod that humans are coming to the area. So with that being said, I've always said, you know, well, not, not that's the wrong terminology. I've always believed that a lot of these sightings are actually of a, a scout type creature that's out there keeping an eye on the pod. That makes sense. And I guess it would be consistent with primate behavior. Gorillas do it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how, you know, where gorillas and Bigfoot stand on the whole ecological, uh, oh gosh, what the words I'm looking for, how similar they are, but I'm just, mm -hmm. you know, I do use that as a, a, a basis. How, how about some of the species on other continents like the Yeti, um, Yowie? Um, Oh, yeah, it's interesting. Do you, do you think they're the same thing on different continents? Well, the Yowie, you know, is separated by a huge ocean. You know, that's a, it's an interesting, you know. But the people have seen it, it does look similar. I mean, I don't know, maybe back in the, oh, God, millions and millions of years when these planets were, I mean, all these land, uh, land masses were, you know, connected. And these there was these type of creatures out there. Again, I'm reaching on this one. And then, of course, the land mass is separated into what we have now. And the reason I say that, because, you know, all over the world, we get similar sightings of these type of creatures. I mean, everybody's got a, uh, a, uh, a story of a, of a large, hairy primate. You know, you know, Australia's got the Yowie. China's got the Yaren. Mm -hmm. uh, Russia's got the Almista. You know, United States, we have Bigfoot. Canada has the, uh, has the Sasquatch. Um, down in Ecuador, they got stories of the, uh, of the uh, Didi, which, uh, you know, I don't know a lot of people know this. Uh, author, was it, uh, I'm gonna say, let me get this right. So author Conan Dole, the guy that wrote uh, Sherlock Holmes, right. he wrote The Lost World. And a lot of people don't know because they have never read the book because it's, it's but in the book, he has large, hairy creatures in it, which he calls the Didis which he found out down in that, uh, you know, Venezuela in Brazil, there are reports of these hairy creatures they call the Didis. You know, and he put them in his book, but whenever they've done movies about the uh, Lost World, they don't put the Didis in there. They just, you know, they focus on the dinosaurs. Yeah. But I mean, back to my original statement, they're all over the place. I mean, they've been reports of them, you know, uh, in Russia. Uh, I, I think I said that already. Um, uh, over in uh, Malaysia, they got reports of them over there. Uh, Indonesia, Burma, 
I mean, there are reports from American soldiers in Vietnam called the uh, rock apes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it's a, I mean, all these people can't be seeing just gorillas or monkeys. I mean, we know what they look like. I mean, every, most people out there today know what a monkey looks like. They know what a gorilla looks like. You know? They have so, to be intelligent to avoid us for so long. Well, uh, Arthur C. Clarke said it, you know, there was a, uh, a story told of a, um, uh, Alexander the Great. He had, uh, he had a, a besieged some town, t- uh, some place in India. And the wise men there were kind of starting some stuff, and he called him up and said, listen, I'll ask you a question. If you can answer it correctly, I'll let you live. And he asked a couple of questions. I guess a couple of them didn't get it right, but he asked one guy, uh, a wise man, he goes, what is the smartest animal on, on this planet? Or, and he goes, the one that avoids man. <laughs> Did he get to live? He got to live. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you think is the best evidence uh, that we have to show the existence of these creatures? Do you think it's the Patterson video or is it the I have always always been a big proponent of the the Patterson video. In other words, yes, I think it's real. Um, I've got some people that I know. In fact, I know the gentleman that actually owns the actual Patterson film. And the funny part is he, he, he's not a believer, hmm. you know, and he has it, you know, with his lawyer locked up. And unfortunately he told me it's not in very good condition because Roger Patterson didn't use a very, he's a very cheap film to go out there with. And unfortunately it's not in very good shape. It's deteriorating. He did tell me that there's nothing on the film that we haven't seen out there already. You know, there's no, you know, footage on there that no, no hasn't been released. So, but anyway, um, I think what it was, this is, again, this is my theory, is that uh, Roger and uh, Bob, Bob Gimlin were out there. And I think because they were on horses, the, the smell of the horses was stronger than the human smell. Mm-hmm. And they were able to come up on this creature that was, you know, by this creek drinking. And it, it surprised them, uh, surprised her. And she looked over, got up, and walked away. And Bob, uh, Roger was smart enough to jump off his horse and, you know, get some fit, uh, film footage of it as it walked away. Do I believe it's real? And at this point in time, yes, I do. I, I do think uh, Roger, and I tell people, I think Roger got lucky. It was right. at the right place at the right time and got footage of a, an unknown, unknown humanoid creature. I um, interviewed somebody a couple weeks ago. His name was uh, Ronald J. Moorhead. And the guy who wrote the forward to his book was Bob. Hmm. I, 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 I know Ron through uh, Facebook. I've never met him uh, in person or talked to him, but I've been Facebook friends with him for years. He's really a nice, personable guy. I, I definitely enjoyed talking to him. And if you ever have a chance to talk to him, I definitely would say do it. I've always wanted to meet him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of people. Like uh, Peter Burns, you know, the gentleman that was in all those Bigfoot movies in the 70s. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to meet him. I got lucky enough to meet Robert Morgan. 
It was mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, and me and Robert, you know, sat down and talked for a while. And it was a real thrill to, to sit down and, and talk with him for a little while about some of the things that go on. Super nice guy, too. Yeah, that's why I love doing this podcast so much. I get to talk to people that I would never normally get to talk to. It's amazing that the people that will come on and talk to me. Um, I'll tell you, yeah. Oh, go go ahead. No, I was just going to just say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so we had some other um, cryptid topics that I had written down to talk about a little bit. One okay. of them is reptilians. Um, well, the you know, reptilians, the, idea- the uh, Aganaki, or, Aganaki, or the, uh, the lizard people, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you got the lizard man up in uh, South uh, uh, South Carolina. Uh, I came up, I, I got familiar with reptilians when I was researching about Mount Shasta. Right. You know, there has it that the uh, reptilians live inside of uh, Mount Shasta. And that you know, this, and I'm going to go off on a tangent here. That, that supposedly they use the Bigfoot creatures as their guard dogs around Mount Shasta. Really? And oddly enough, to tell you how old this story is, you remember that show, The Six Million Dollar Man? Yep, I remember it. <laughs> remember they had the episode with Bigfoot in it? Yep, he was an alien. Yes, they got that whole idea from the whole reptilian thing. I mean, I grant you, they didn't. The aliens in the show weren't reptilian. They were human-looking things. In fact, I think one of them was Stephanie Powers. But mm-hmm. they had they had got that whole idea from the whole reptilian legend in Mount Shasta. I didn't know that's where it came from. There's also, I had heard a story about reptilians in the Grand Canyon. Um, oh, yeah. There was a, a cave to us, uh, you know, it was really hard to reach. And there was a guy who, who said that he had found it. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. It was Conrad or something like that, Conway. Um, and, and apparently he went into the cave and he found like an entire lost city. Who knows? I mean, well, I, I hate to say that, term. That's not right. Um, but, you know, there's still so much out there that we haven't really discovered. I mean, is there a possibility? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you got the legend of Atlantis and the city of uh, Mu. And so, I mean, it's, I mean, if you've ever been out to the Grand Canyon, it's, it's immense. So there, could there be something? No, it's possible. I mean, it's possible for something to be over Mount Shasta if you ever go out there. Yeah. And Mount Shasta is also, you know, it is a UFO hotspot. It's a, it is. a normal hotspot, really. Yes, I, I would say Mount Shasta is a uh, legend trippers. Uh, um, oh God, what's a uh, hotspot to go to? Because I mean, everything happens in Mount Shasta. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, so in your book, actually, The Legend Tripping, what are some of the places that you go to? Well, I mean, unfortunately, I've got to be honest, with some of the places I haven't been to, I mean, there are some I went to when I was a little kid. Uh, but, you know, my, my first book, Legend Tripping, The Ultimate Adventure, I deal with pretty much everything in the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, I, and it's not just necessarily about cryptozoology. I, I go into the paranormal. I discuss some of the the, 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 the 
popular places in Florida, uh, in the United States to go to that are, are, are supposed to be haunted. I did make phone calls out and talk to the owners of these places, and they were very, very uh, helpful, you know, and tell me some of the stuff that goes on out there. I mean, I talked to the individual that runs Alcatraz, and they were just thrilled that I was putting, you know, Alcatraz in my book. <laughs> I always wanted to go there. Oh, I, I, went as a, I went as a baby, believe it or not, because I was born in California, but, you know, that's the only time I've been there. I, I do want to go back because I tell you, that place is it's supposed to be really, you know. In fact, now they are doing paranormal uh, ghost hunts out there now. They are taking, you know, people, you know, you have to pay, but they will take uh -huh. you out there and let you do a ghost hunt. Um, I deal with buried treasure in my book, which, you know, of course, the most popular buried treasure is the uh, Oak Island because of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a theory about what's buried there. Okay. I think it's the body of Jesus. Well, uh, we haven't found it, so, I mean, that's, that's quite possible. Well, they I mean, did, because they did find bones. And the bones were of, um, you know, they were like Iranian or something like that. Mm. Well, I mean, so, it, it, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I'm not dispelling that. I mean, there are, we have, we don't even know where the bones of Columbus are at, believe it or not. Yeah. And Sir Francis Drake, we, we don't know where, I mean, they, they, he died over down near South America and they pushed his, his coffin into the water, so they don't know where he's at. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a number of places, you know, of, of, you know. So, I mean, is it possible? Absolutely. Yeah. I like don't, like I said, when I, I try to think of, like, what would be so valuable, but yet needed to be kept hidden, I think that would be one of the plausible things. And based on what they found, too, which is... Well, again, you know, you know people are saying, thinking the Holy Grail, um, you know, is one of them. Um, the uh, the the uh, the Ark of the Covenant, that's come up. You see, that one's in Ethiopia. Well, they they think that, but they can't get in there. The uh, the military won't let you go in there. I mean, it talks about the, you know the church won't let you go in there, but what you don't know is that the military down there, the whole government will not let you go in there. What, what other uh, famous buried treasures are there? Are there any from, like, the famous pirates, like Backbeard or... Well, Captain Kidd was supposedly... Uh, that was his, his, known to prowl that neck of the woods, so... Mm -hmm. And they haven't found all his treasure, but they think... I mean, if you look at the history, it looks like it's more down toward New York where he actually hid his treasure. I mean, if you, if you go... Again, going, you know, toward the history books. Um... Could be I mean, hidden at the Jersey Shore. I mean, that movie National Treasure, there was actually supposed to be a segment involving the uh, Oak Island, but they, they, I'm not sure if they didn't film it or they just edited it out. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you think that treasure exists? The one that they were, you know. You know like I think something's there. I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, be, but. Looking at, you know, and me and my wife love watching the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm definitely a, I'm hooked on the show. Uh, something is definitely there. Yeah, I think something's definitely there, too. 
But I wonder what happened to like, you know, things like the Library of Alexandria. You know, it's funny. Um, you, you know, there, there's so yeah. many relics that have not been found. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wonder if they're all together in one big cache somewhere. And mm-hmm. my guess is it would probably be here in the United States. I mean, we had to come up with the money to start this country somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, anything, you know, I mean, the Knights Templar, you know, they, they're the ones that started the whole bank thing, mm-hmm. you know? And I can't see every one of the Knights Templars getting killed. Some of them had to get out. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they had to recover something of what, you know, their – what was in their, you know, their, I, I just, I'm not going to say necessarily say treasure, but what they had in their holdings because they had banks all over the place. Hmm. They were up to something, that's for sure. Actually, I was talking about the, um, the Grand Canyon. The guy that I was trying to think of was G.E. Kincaid. And... Apparently, he had gone into a cave in the Grand Canyon and found, let's see, it says here, a tomb or crypt which the mummies, mummies were found is one of the largest of chambers. The wall slanting back at an angle of 35 degrees, blah, 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 with mummies, copper cups, pieces of sword. So it's almost like an Egyptian type of treasure. Which reminds me, too, is that I remember hearing stories, too, that there was a pyramid in the Grand Canyon, too, somewhere. I've heard that. We uh, Over in Florida, somebody saw, also saw a, a pyramid out off the coast of Florida. Yeah, I saw that on TV. Oh, no, no, it was yeah, on TV. It was on Google Earth I saw it. He, he supposedly went into one of them, pulled out this, I'm not going to say it's a diamond, because it's some round the sphere, and he brought it out with him. I mean, it's some doctor, he's no longer with us now, but somebody else, excuse me, has that. And um, kind of weird. It is. Um, I mean, because they have found pyramids everywhere. I, I mean, the only pyramid I've been to is the ones in, um, in the Yucatan, the mine pyramids. Have you ever been to Egypt or any of those places? No, no, I have not, um, unfortunately. But who, you know, it, it, it is definitely on my uh, <laughs> on my um, my bucket list. Yeah, mine too. But unfortunately, you know, they got a lot of you know, I want to say political turmoil going on. So you have to kind of be careful in some of these places that you go to. Yeah. And I even talk about it, you know, in my book, my new book, International Legend Tripping. You got to be careful where you're going, like the Congo. You know, I'd love to go look for Makili Mende, but, you know, th- those countries are, you know, in that area just don't don't get along with each other, you know. So you have to be careful going out there. I wonder if that's done on purpose in order to hide some of these ancient civilizations. It's possible. You know, just to keep people out, the create sort of like a civil unrest just to keep people out of there so they don't don't look for well, them. The, well, the Congo is so huge and dense, 
you know what I'm saying? It's so, I mean, there are parts of the Congo that I don't think have been explored, like parts of uh, South America, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm looking up this Kincaid guy as we speak here, trying to, because I remember hearing it, but I haven't looked it up in a while. Yeah, it's Kincaid spelled with a K. Yeah, I, I, they did, I just came to the Smithsonian website for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're talking about having pieces of the Noah's Ark over hidden away in the, in the Smithsonian, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I heard different stories about the Ark. You know, I mean, obviously he couldn't have fit all those animals on a boat. And you know, but you know, it's, it's oddly enough there are other like the Native Americans. They've got stories too. Oh yeah, I mean, there was definitely a flood dealing with the main, you know, a flood. So who's to say, and again, I, I, here I'm going on one of my tangents here. Who's to say that God didn't go, you know, it wasn't just Noah, that he went to some other um, and said, hey, I need you to build a boat, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's ironic, but, you know, let's, let's be real. If it was just Noah, why do we have people of Oriental descendant? Why do we have people African-American descendant? Why do we have people that are Native American? You know, Noah did all that. It just doesn't make, you know. It right. So. It doesn't make sense. But what does kind of make sense is if the society was more advanced at that time, like way more advanced than what we expect, because maybe humans have existed a lot longer than what we've been told, is they could have used the DNA somehow collect went around collecting DNA of different people, different species, mm-hmm. preserved it. Then a flood came and then they used that DNA to repopulate. I, you know, again, I keep an open mind. <laughs> That's if they were an advanced, you know, an advanced society. Well, you know, there are theories that we aren't the first civilization on earth. There was a civilization before us that, actually uh, perished right before the dinosaurs and stuff, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, is that possible? Absolutely. Nothing saying that can't happen. And kind of, it makes sense in a way sometimes. One of the other things I had on my list here, and, and I kind of like that you, you mentioned it too a little bit, you, you addressed it, is the aquatic ape theory. Because not many people uh, go there. Well, I mean, you know. You know, like you were talking about with the lake monsters and the, uh-huh. you know. Well, when I was doing my new book here, I, I got on to a, um, the subject of mermaids, you mm. know. And I started researching it, and I found out that the whole idea of, and again, I'm going to get off the word mermaid and go aquatic humanoid. Right. But there are been reports and sightings of these aquatic humanoids all over the world. You know, I mean, is it possible? You know, my you know Aquaman. <laughs> my wife, my wife said, if it looks like anything like that actor that plays him, she's all for it. You know. <laughs> but uh, I was really taken back. How many stories I found about these uh, aquatic humanoids. And I it end up, I end up, I did put it in my book because I was so. There are there are countries out there that do believe that there are are, are 
aquatic humanoids. You know, some of them can be dangerous, and some of them are, you know, just help stay, keep to themselves, but they're out mm -hmm. there. I, um, I, mean, I mean, I would have to say, how could there not be? <laughs> I mean, the ocean is so large, and correct. life has been on Earth for so long. How could there not be? Like I said, there are people out there that have seen these things and uh, countries that wholeheartedly believe that they're out there. I mean, Norway believes that there are aquatic uh, humanoids out there, you know? So, I mean, I was actually really surprised how much I found about it. I mean, it took from a paragraph to garner a whole chapter in my book about the, uh, the whole mermaid legend, you know? Right. And, you know, and you mentioned, like, how, you know, like, oh, yeah, we're talking about Bigfoot. You're like, the government knows there's a Bigfoot. So if, if government knows about that, then he probably know about the aquatic life forms as well. Well, and, I mean, you know, we got Flor you know, here in Florida, the skunk ape is known to, uh, to stay out in the swamps and has been seen going through the water, has been seen swimming through the water, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean, it's, I mean, to be honest with you, if they lived here, if the animal was here in Florida, it's going to have to get used to the water. <laughs> um, this place is just full of swamps. Right. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to is like, um, like Altec. Have you ever heard of that? You know, the secret base off in the Bahamas? Yes. I mean, wouldn't that almost make sense if they have an underwater base there that you would be maybe, you know, working with these aquatic creatures, the mm. humanoids? Well, I mean, the, uh, the base that we have is for some reason for communication. And I talked to somebody that worked out there. Now, are they going to tell me everything that goes on out there? No. You know, I mean, there is a, a point they're not going to tell me stuff. And unfortunately, the lady I was talking to, she knew I was into the whole Bigfoot cryptozoology, unexplained. And um, so, you know, she may not want to tell me that stuff. You know, she may not be allowed to. Mm -hmm. uh, there are reports I have read where, um, you know, the military, the Navy has seen these things and has heard them. But unfortunately, you know, they keep it, you know, hush-hush or ex expression goes top secret. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I mean, they recently did come out, you know, with that footage and admitted it about the, the Nemitz case. And it wasn't a total UFO. It was a UFO USO, you know, because it was also submerged in water. Yes. Um, Ivan T. Sanderson christened that underwater, under, uh, underwater submerged vehicle mm -hmm. or object, yeah. So, In fact, so, Ivan T. Sanderson was actually credited with doing the first research on that whole thing. So rather than it being alien, why couldn't it possibly be um, an aquatic humanoid? Possible, absolutely. What kind of place have, to hide? We have fish that's breathe underwater, right? Right. It's all, you know, why can't we have a, a humanoid that has developed gills? 
It's not impossible. No. You know, Scythe will tell you it's not impossible. They just haven't seen it yet. Or they have and they're not telling us. I'm sorry? Or they have and they don't tell us. Well, I, I, like I said, being in the military, I found that the army, uh, military uh, government can keep anything a secret if they want it to be. Hmm. Um, in your travels, like, what is the um, most mysterious thing that you've encountered? I, I would say the skunk cave here in Florida. I've had some pretty interesting uh, incidents with them. Um, you know, I've seen one night I was with some investigators and we heard something out in this field. I, I took the thermal, looked over, and I saw something standing erect out in the middle of the field. And I handed the uh, thermal to a friend of mine, Stacy Brown, and whatever it was took off running. And we did a height comparison to a friend of mine who was six foot, and whatever it was was uh, two feet taller than uh, my friend who was six foot. Eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. And we had an incident a couple of days after that where my wife heard something walking around a cabin while we were out at another location trying to, to look for them. So, I mean, I've, I've had some pretty compelling. And then one time we were out there, we actually found footprints. It scared you guys. Did you cast them? I didn't cast them. The people that I got out there before me did. I made a copy of it. Cool. Yeah, I was out there when they found him, but we always, investigators for the most part, will let whoever finds it do the initial casting. Yeah. And um, then you can make copies off of that casting. The thermal footage, did you, were you recording? Oddly enough, no. The, the, the device we had didn't record. It's a bummer. It was. And, you know, I always I joke to people. They asked me what it looked like, and it reminded me of, of Captain Kirk's silhouette when he beams himself down. Mm -hmm. In fact, when, it, when I first saw it, I initially thought it was a poacher because the people uh, the, uh, on the property told us to be careful of poachers. But when I handed the thermal over to uh, Stacy, whatever it was took off, and, you know, for something to run that fast, a human... He has to have a flashlight or some kind of a light device, you know? Yeah. And whatever it was that took off running didn't have any kind of light to use. And it was dark out that night. So do you, th do you think they're nocturnal? Definitely. And again, uh, why? Because it's the safest time to travel. Plus, it's a little bit cooler at night. Especially, you know, yeah. Animals, for the most part, if they got, you know, hairy... They're going to stay in the coolest part, especially during, you know, here in Florida where it's extremely hot. It is right now. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to find the coolest places to be. Yeah. You're going to have to uh, check out this guy, Justin L. Snyder's footage, the thermal of the skunk ape. It's kind of interesting that, that you had on a thermal, and so does he. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even my thermal. I was using some. Mm -hmm. I have my own thermal now. But I can take pictures with it, but I can't record. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a shame I, I wasn't able to record it that night. But I'll be mm -hmm. honest, like I said, when I heard it, I thought it, you know, I, I just, I heard a noise and I brought it up. I looked, saw the silhouette in the middle of the field, and the first thing popped in my head is, oh God, we got a poacher out here. It makes so much sense for these creatures, at least in Florida and like where I'm at, and even in Louisiana, you know, for them to. I mean, it would be so easy for them to be out in the swamps and never get found because nobody goes into swamps. We're never actually going to build there. No. And there's so much resource for them to eat. There is. There's plenty of them. Fish, uh, you know, other creatures out there. Uh, and, of course, like I said, when they're out there in the deep swamps, it's a, it's a little bit cooler than being out in the, in the heat. Yeah, so it's, it's almost like a, a perfect environment for them. Mm -hmm. Well, the Seminoles say that. The Seminoles say these animals pretty much stay out where, you know, in the swamps where it's cooler than it is to be walking around out, you know, middle of the sun. All right. And, and also, you know, Washington, uh, Oregon, and the Mount, you know, Mount Olymp the Olympica area. Yeah. You know, it's, it's cooler there also. And it's wooded. It's easy for them to hide. I mean, the only problem up there was you know we started logging mm -hmm. well yeah there would be definitely and I mean, if you ever look at that area up there i mean it's it's oh my god it is huge there's definitely enough room for these animals to uh, to go out there and, and not be seen by humans <clears throat> do you think we'll uh find one in our lifetime i hope so I really do. I mean, we definitely have more investigators than we've had back, you know, from the 70s and 80s out there. There's definitely a lot. A lot there's, I mean, you, every state has their own Bigfoot group, except Hawaii. Hawaii doesn't have Bigfoot groups. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, they're always out there looking. I mean, here in Florida, right now it's, it's, it's extremely hot and murky, and the mosquitoes are just terrible. So I'll be honest with you, you know, I go out in the morning and walk around with a friend of mine, but once that sun comes out, I, I go, I, you know, I head back to the house. But once it starts cooling off, we'll get out there and we'll get a tent out. We'll start doing some serious uh, research and, and, and get out there. What part of Florida are you in? I actually live in central Florida. I don't live too far from Orlando. In fact, I live, I live right up the road from Legoland. Hmm. It's been about eight hours from me. Yeah. We have an area uh, north of us, uh, north of Lakeland, called the Green Swamp, and it has had a lot of sightings in that area. So, in fact, you know, they, they, they permit hunting out there, and hunters have seen this thing out there, and I had an individual who actually took a video, and he gave me a copy. I'm allowed to show people, but I just can't put it on the internet. Uh -huh. But he was out there in 2012 on Thanksgiving morning. He was sitting in a tree stand playing on his phone and he caught movement and he looked over and saw something walking across his palmetto field. And at first he thought it was, a, you know, a, he thought it was a hunter in a, in a uh, ghillie suit, but he was taken back how fluid that it was walking through the, uh, the field. You know, he says, but where humans are a little bit more clumsy when we're walking through this area, you know? Yeah. And he looked at it and watching it, and this thing stopped, and he's looking at it, and 
it, you know, he could see it better and realize it wasn't a human. So he takes his, uh, his, his phone and he starts filming it. Well, just as he starts filming it, the thing turned around and looks right up at him. And he said a chill shot down through his spine when he realized it wasn't a guy in a suit, that it was a real creature. And he stopped filming real quick because he didn't know what the thing was going to do. Was it going to charge an atom or was it? Luckily, it took off running in a different direction. Uh-huh. Anyway, his son happened to go to the school that I teach. And he, uh, he, he talked his dad in into coming to see me. And he told I mean, because it, it, it really messed with him seeing it. He said that uh, his son told me it took him about half an hour to get him to get him out of the tree stand. He was so rattled. Wow. And he got home and he said his dad just kind of went to his room and lay down and just really, you know, it really messed. And I, and that's something I always take into account when I'm interviewing people who have you know seen something. That the people that, in my opinion, and, and the sightings that I do believe are uh, are not hoaxes. It is a life-changing event for a person when they see this creature. That's one of those common denominators, which I've heard theorized, some people theorize that these creatures use infrasound, which sort of paralyzes us a little bit. Well, I mean, it's, it's be honest with you, oh, yeah. the guy I saw, yeah, it, just, it, just, it just shocked him when he realized it was a real creature because the back of his mind saying, Oh my God, I, I heard about these things, but I never thought they were real. Mm. You know? And the lady that I saw in the tree stand, she just sat there and they looked, you know. And then when she realized it wasn't a human being, that's when she started screaming for her husband. So, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I just think it's, it's any human reaction seeing something they don't know what it is. And their mind's trying to go through it and think, what the hell is that? You know, it's okay. like, you know, I always attribute, you know, we grow up and we're taught there's no such thing as a boogeyman. There's nothing under our bed. There's nothing in the closet. But then you go out in the woods and lo and behold, there's a big, huge, hairy creature in front of you. And your mind's going, oh, my God, the boogeyman is real. <laughs> so that's got to mess with you somehow. Yeah. I would be excited. I I would just I would just I I want to see it. I can't begin to tell you how bad I want to see that. Uh, next time you start going out, contact me. Maybe I can come with you. Well, if you ever in our neck of the woods, let me know. And uh, oh, like I said, we're uh, not going to go out till probably about September, where it starts mm-hmm. to cool off a little bit. But we do get. Uh, I, belong, uh, I, I know all the Bigfoot groups down here. I don't really belong to any Pacific group. Um, I have been, you know, hooking up with this uh, new group called the Bigfoot Mafia mm-hmm. <laughs> Investigators. And because uh, I, I only go with people that I really think are in it for the right reasons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, there's no groups here where I'm at. But, what in Alabama? Yeah, yeah, not in the area that I'm in anyway. Oh, okay. I mean, there is an Alabama Bigfoot group, and I've actually contacted them, and they've never contacted me back. Huh, uh, you may have to go on their Facebook page. I mean, I know there's a group in Georgia. I know there's definitely one in Mississippi, and there's one over in Louisiana because they got the Honey Island Swamp Monster over there. 
And Texas, oh my God, Texas has got all kinds of Bitcoin groups over there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's not much here where I'm at. Like even like like in New Jersey, I used to belong to a paranormal investigation group. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we were pretty active. And plus, also in Jersey, we had the Jersey Devil. Um, oh yeah. What do you think about the Jersey Devil? Do you think it's like another just a Bigfoot? Just well, mistaken I mean, identity. People, there are some people that believe that, and I've been to the uh, to the Pine Barrens. My wife took me there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, that place is pretty darn big. It, it's big enough to have some kind of an unknown cryptid. Um, well, you know, the reports of it, it has wings and it has a kind of a horse-looking face. I, you know, Ivan T. Sanderson thought it was just a, uh, a ploy for the, uh, the local towns to just drum up business. But, I mean, there are people that still see things out there. And there are people that do see, a, you know, Bigfoot-type creatures out in that area too, you know? Yeah, I I, th- I think it's probably a Bigfoot out there. Because I'm actually where I'm from, New Jersey. And, uh, well, I'll tell you, I, I've, uh, I, uh, there was a uh, a magazine, I think it's still out, called Weird New Jersey. Yeah, it's still out. <laughs> and I got to uh, meet those two gentlemen when they were they came down here. They were with Charlie Carp. Boy, they can, they can put away some beer, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, but I mean, super nice guys. Uh, Mark Sherman and Mark. Oh God, I forget the other gentleman's name. But uh, they were doing a, a weird Florida book with Charlie Carlson, and mm-hmm. Charlie said, "Hey, come on up if you you know I know you like those books. Come up and meet them." And we went out. They wanted to go out drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, you know, we were talking about different legends. I mean, New Jersey is just wow. <laughs> New Jersey got some interesting stuff over in New Jersey. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't know how much wooded area that New Jersey has. You know, for some reason, people think New Jersey, they think Atlantic City or something. You know, they don't realize that there's a lot of wooded area in New Jersey. Uh, there is, but it is getting smaller, less and less. Yeah. It, you know. Um, I mean, I've been down Clinton Road. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bugged my wife crazy too. She, she finally, because she's my wife's from Pennsylvania. So we went down to see her folks, and I said, well, I want to go to Clinton Road. I want to, you know, go see this road and stuff. And she said, there ain't nothing to see, you know. So. <laughs> but we went during the daytime, so I didn't, I don't think it had the real good effect, you know, unless you go at night. Right. Um, oh, what, I forget the name of that road. Uh, I forget because the one that's associated with the Jersey Devil. Um, he's driving down it all the time. I can't remember the name of it. it. It's where the story of the Thirteenth Child came from. Oh, Leeds or whatever. Yeah, Leeds Road. That was it. Yeah. Leeds Road, because there was, a, there was a hospital on that road that my dad was in, and uh, yeah, I must have driven down that road a hundred times. I tell you, the Pine Barrens is spooky at night. I mean, holy cow, I can't see how nobody would, <laughs> you know. And it's so easy to get lost out there, you know, if you don't really stay on the main roads and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Like, to me, it wasn't so bad. Actually, I find, like, Alabama, it, all the roads look the same. 
Yeah, I went out. Uh, when did I go out? I went out in two thousand two when we went to uh, my wife's family house and we went over to Atlantic City. We went. We drove to uh, the Pine Barrens, and I made our stop because I said, "Hey, this is the home of the Jersey Devil. I, I got to stop. I got to see this area." Hmm. And I walked. We did a little bit of walking around, and I was just like, "Holy cow! You can get lost in this place really easy." Yeah, I mean, I'm originally from Princeton, but almost all my, my, my brother, my nieces, they all live down in the Pines. And my parents used to have a camper down there, too. Never seen anything unusual, though. Oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're on a TV show, Wife Swap? Why? Oh, you Why that? did you do this? <laughs> Uh, we all make hey, we all make mistakes in life. <laughs> I thought, I mean, I you know, the reason was I was a big fan of that TV show Destination Truth with Joss Gates. Oh yeah, the original one. Yeah, and I just wanted me to too. see what it was like to be on TV. They called me, and uh, you know, they interviewed me and the wife, and we, you know, and they were really wanting to go do stuff, you know, got which you know, to be honest with you, we really didn't do anything. I mean, most of that crap you see on TV, all that was filmed down the road from where I live. Mm -hmm. I, that's what I realized there's, you know, TV is, the, I mean, reality TV is not reality TV. So it's not as dramatic as it looks? No. In fact, you know what? When we were out in the woods, we kept having to stop because these kids with ATVs kept coming out there. And we'd have to stop filming and they would come drive by and they'd wonder what the hell we were doing. And they want to talk to us, and we're like, oh, we can't talk to you. We're making a mayonnaise, we're making a mayonnaise commercial. Well, where's your mayonnaise at, you know? So. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it, it, that's all, you know, a lesson, you know. And, I mean, the people were nice, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean. So what was, the, was, what was the new wife like? She was from uh, Memphis, and she had a hip-hop singing son that she wanted to. You know, they were the hip hop family versus the monster hunting family. Uh huh. So I was, I had to turn my son, uh, Josh, into a hip hop star. <laughs> so he, he went along with it. I'm not sure how, how much he really enjoyed doing it, but he went along with it. <laughs> was there any real transformation as a result of doing that show? Because you know, like always at the end, like, They'll do like that follow up and they're like, oh, yeah, it changed my life and my family. No, not really. In fact, you know, um, they put a wrap around my Jeep of Josh's picture. I mean, no sooner had the crew left than Josh ran out there and started pulling that crap off the Jeep. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just, the only good thing that happened is they flew us all to Little Rock, Arkansas, you know. And they gave my uh, Josh got the uh, the penthouse suite by himself, and he gets, said you can order whatever you want. And I went up there, you know, I was gonna take my wife Tracy out to dinner. And I said, Let's go check Josh, and he's sitting up there in his penthouse suite with a big old pizza watching TV. And I was like, you sucker, man, you you got the best room in the whole place, and you know, so. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, you know, I, nobody pulled my arm to be on the show. 
Right. In fact, my wife was actually against us doing the show because she had seen it on TV. And she said, this isn't Destination Truth, Rob. This is about families and all this. And I said, no, no, this is, they want to do us as monster hunters, you know. So I got nobody to blame but myself for doing the show, you know. And I, it, it is, you know. Would I ever do a show like that again? No, heavens no. I mean, I did, uh, I did Monster Quest, but unfortunately, my little segment never got aired. It, you know, I cut it out. And then I did Monsters and Mysteries of America, which my, my uh, segment did get put on. Awesome. And I did uh, Weird Florida on the road again, which with Charlie Carlson. Uh-huh. So. So you've got some exposure. <laughs> That's yeah. too funny, though, that waste flops for story. I'm so glad I asked that question. Oh, God. I mean, I did, I dread, you know, I almost dread it when people bring it up, but I mean... But it's hysterical. Everybody, you know, everybody, I mean, I can always tell when it comes on TV because everybody will get on Facebook. Hey, Rob, I just saw you on Facebook. Or whatnot. <laughs> and I even got an email from ABC saying that our episode is one of the top 10 uh, Y-Swap episodes, you know. <laughs> so it's a crap. And unfortunately, I don't make any money off of uh, reruns, you know. Uh-huh. It's kind of ironic, though. Monster Hunter becomes famous for wave swap episodes. <laughs> and I mean, like I said, we never really went out there. We just went up the road and filmed in the woods and just made it look like we were way out there. And they said, well, we ain't got time to take go drive all the way out there. We haven't got time to do this. So we're just going to go up the road and just make it look like you're out there in the woods. So this is what it's all about. All right. This is this is Hollywood. <laughs> Did you ever see that? You mentioned Destination Truth, and that was such a good show. Do you ever oh, see I that? Do you see that episode where like they're doing like some kind of paranormal episode, and um, the cameraman gets picked up off the ground and and like thrown like ten feet? <laughs> oh yeah, and, and, and there's like nothing there, and he got it on camera. I'm like, yeah. What was that? I'll tell you. I've met Josh Gates. I'll tell you. He's a very, very intelligent individual, if you ever meet him. Extremely smart man. Yeah. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not so sure he's a believer in a lot of cryptids. You uh -huh. know? Um, I mean, he's, you know, he's a very nice guy, and he's not, he doesn't put stuff down. But I just kind of got the impression talking to him that he doesn't believe in a lot of this stuff. And, you know, to be honest with you, he's been out to some of the stuff to investigate. So, I mean, if anybody has a right to to be a, uh, you know, non-believer, probably him. Because, I mean, he's been to some of these places where these things are supposed to be. Yeah, but he keeps going to back to look for the Yeti, though. So he must think there's something there. Well, that was the, that was the station. That was the, uh, you know, the ratings were going down. Because up, up to that point, he was just going to places. You know, the... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the pyramids and all these other places and the ratings weren't doing so good. So they said they came up with the whole Yeti thing. And then of course they did the, you, you, you went to Roswell. So, yeah. Well, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting down Mr. Gates down. Like I said, I've met him. He is an extremely intelligent person. Very good. Extremely good listener too. I mean, if you want to sit down and talk to him, he, he doesn't interrupt you or anything like that. We'll let you talk. Doesn't take up all the air in the room like some of these people do, you know. Yeah, I've definitely enjoyed watching him over the years. 
Um, but I definitely enjoyed Expedi- um, Destination Truth more than Expedition Unknown. Yeah, like I said, he's, he's, he's going more toward the arch- arch- uh, archaeological stuff because he's always, he didn't he'll tell you, he's always been a, more of a fan of that stuff. You know, considers himself kind of an Indiana Jones type person than he does a uh, an Ivan T. Sanderson person. Yeah, I did like his episodes on... Um, uh, what is that? The Lost Colony of Roanoke. Yes, I've been there. What do you think happened there? Well, uh, the, the way that the evidence looks, and I mean, if you ever go there and talk to the people there, they believe that the uh, the colonists went over to another uh, uh, tribe. Yeah, I, I think they did find some European artifacts on an island mm-hmm. nearby yeah. where they may have live with some of the other natives. That's, that's the way the evidence looks. But again, television kind of twisted a little bit, you know, to make, oh, they vanished in thin air. No, they didn't. Yeah, you well, there's those stones, right? The stones? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, like I said, if you ever go there and take the tour, and the tour guides will tell you, they pretty much, and the archaeologists pretty much figured that they left to go. I mean, because they were invited to come over there if they had things gone bad, mm-hmm. you know? I forget the name of the stone that that guy found. It was a famous rock with a carving on it. Uh-huh. I know what and, you're talking about. I don't remember. Yeah. And, and, then, and then some other guy like made a whole bunch of copies to try to get rich. Well, unfortunately, that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. The people so, love to buy up that stuff. I mean, you know... I'm, I got a bunch of recre. I got a dare stone. Uh, that was it. The dare stone. Oh, the yeah from um, um God with it. Uh, yeah, it's supposedly um, Elizabeth Dare. Yes, uh, he was born over there. Mm-hmm. First uh, colonist born in the uh, uh, over there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know That's what it was. It was a tip of my tongue. Was, uh, was it real or something? Did they, 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 the archaeologists or historians found out that it wasn't really accurate or it wasn't real? It may have been a hoax. Yeah, they think it was fake. Mm-hmm. Was this somebody trying to... Uh, you know, I'll you said you're from New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. Ivan T. Sanderson, that's where he lived. Uh, I mean, I bet he was a European, but he lived in New Jersey. And he started the Society for the Investigation for the Unexplained, living in New Jersey. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Big fan of his. I love, I've read every one of his books. Hmm. Um, what haven't we covered? Mothman. Oh, okay. I, well, I, I have been up there uh, a couple times to speak at the Mothman Festival. Uh, um. It hasn't been seen there for a while. Uh, there has been some sightings of a Mothman-type uh, creature near Chicago. Uh, if you look at the uh, the witnesses, I mean, they're pretty much, you know, n- you know. Somebody say, "Well, it was just a giant owl." And they say, "No, it wasn't an owl." You know, so again, it's something that somebody saw. Could have been an extraterrestrial. Possible mm-hmm. because there was some UFO sightings in that area during that time frame too, and when John Keel was doing the investigation, there was you know you had the legend of the Men in Black coming out there as well. 
Yes. Yeah, it could have been. So I wonder sometimes if the Mothman or the Jersey, the Jersey Devil are somehow connected. It could be. Yeah. Um, dog people. You know, the, these, you see this on, 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 like, on TV a lot, like, um, these giant dogs. Do you think there's some type of giant dog out there that we haven't discovered? Giant dog? Yep. Well, I know over in Europe they got the um, the hellhounds that are seen, and they kind of you know kind of have a kind of a supernatural background on them. Uh, you know, here in the United States, the uh, what? Uh, not so much about the giant dogs, but we got the um, the um, Dogman, you know, mm -hmm. the werewolf, and that's actually gained popularity. Um, in fact, I'm the uh, I'm the representative for the North Atlanta, North American Dogman Society, and it, and, you know, if we get any sightings, you know, they're supposed to let me know about it, but I haven't been called yet. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I've heard of like though like like of like some type of large dog species, like I guess in like in the Kentucky type of area or um, like West Virginia up in the mountains hmm. where there's been sightings of some type of giant dog and huh. there's there's some theories that it's some type of dog that they had thought had gone extinct mm -hmm. and it may not be extinct. Yeah. There's definitely a possibility on that. Um, you know, the Chukacabra, mm -hmm. you know, initially, it, you know, the whole legend of it was a, uh, uh, a reptilian type creature that was, uh, you know, attacking uh, uh, livestock, particularly goats, yep. and goat drinking sucker. the blood. And so we're, yeah, goat sucker, that's what Chukacabra means. And then all of a sudden, this animal morphs into a feral dog type thing that's been seen over in Texas and Mexico. And... You know, Ken Gerhardt is a real big investigator into that. I mean, I told Ken, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I don't really want to go look for no feral dogs. You know, that's not what, <laughs> you know, I have no problems with the dog I have at home. I don't want to look for it anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, the whole concept, a buddy of mine, uh, when I was in the Army, I brought up the Chupacabra, and he said, you know, as a kid growing up in Puerto Rico, the, the, the chukacabra was kind of the boogeyman, mm -hmm. you know? And he said, yeah, don't go in the woods at nighttime. The, the chukacabra will get you. So, I mean, he remembers hearing the stories about that when he was a kid. Maybe it was just made up to keep the kids in the house and, and sneak you know, out at night. It, it, that's what he seems to uh, think. Because, I mean, he never heard of any actual sightings or any incidents where livestock was attacked while he was growing up. Here in Alabama, we have coyotes that attack people. Oh, are you kidding? We have them down here, too. I mean, coyotes, if they can, you know, if they, if they can outnumber you, they, and they're, you know, they're hungry enough, oh, yeah, they'll come at you. Uh, damn coyotes. Some people say that Bigfoots have coyotes as pets. I've heard that too. I've heard they have foxes as well. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to see that before I can believe 
I mean, I've heard somebody say the Chukacabra was their doggone uh, pet, you know? Yeah. I think that was on an episode of uh, Mountain Monsters. Maybe, yeah. I remember that show. Um, so you yeah, also, you also yeah, have. I got to meet them over at the Mothman Festival. Did you? Yeah. What do you think like of those guys? Oh, they're <laughs> they're a lively bunch. Let me tell you. <laughs> I went up to a, their hotel that they told me come on up later on to the hotel, and they were they were uh, three sheets in the wind. A couple of moonshine. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them wanted to hug my wife. He said, oh, hug your wife! I said, oh, you know, look at my wife. She's shaking her head. So. I, he didn't stay very long. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And you have a new book coming out, correct? Uh, Legend Tripping Adventures Outside the Box? Uh, actually, it's called International Legend Tripping. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Adventures Outside the Box. And uh, whereas my first book, Legend Tripping, just pretty much I kept it within the United States. International, I, I go all over the place. I explore Bigfoot legends all over the uh, the world, uh, sea serpent legends, lake monster legends, mermaid legends, uh, all kinds of different stories out there. Uh, haunted places, buried treasure, uh, UFO stuff. I mean, I, I it took me it took me a couple of years to research it. It wasn't one of those books I could just sit down and belt out. It took me a while to really research everything. Hmm. Was it coming out? It is coming out really soon. In fact, I just sent the uh, last chapter to my uh, publisher today. Hey, that and would be Adventures I, Unlimited Press, correct? That's it, David Childress. In fact, uh, uh, he is, I tell you, he is not only a friend, but he is a mentor as well. I mean, he, I had put my book out originally, uh, I think it was 2015 and 2016, and it was just, the publisher that at that time didn't do anything I wanted, did not do what I wanted with the book. Well, David got a hold of me and said, "Hey, I saw your book and uh, I'd like to redo it. I want to change it and kind of fix, you know, because you kind of you didn't quite make the mark on it." I said, "Listen, David, I don't have the money." He said, "I'll take care of that. I just mm -hmm. need you to rewrite it. And every time you finish a chapter, I want you to send it to me, and I'm going to take a look at it and see what we need to change." And I tell you that my legend trip in the Ultimate Adventure, it could not have done good had not, David had not come on board and, and helped me out with it. And right now we're doing the same thing with my book here. I send him a chapter, he looks at it. Sometimes he'll send it back to me, say, "Hey, I need you to do more on this," or "That's not that's you know that's we don't need to put anything like that in there or, and stuff." So he definitely keeps the book keeping a direction, which you know. Right. Yeah, I had interviewed um, someone else who had a book on that, on the same publisher. His name was, well, his pen name is Axel Balthazar. And mm -hmm. I guess he's, he was for a little while, like, I guess uh, David's like sort of assistant. Like he traveled all over with David. And, oh, I um, sure. and uh, it's kind of cool though, because what I did is I, I had sent an email to, you know, the publisher and said, Hey, no, I just need guests for my podcast. And he agreed. <laughs> he sent my information out to a bunch of authors and 
I, I got like 10 interviews with one email. <laughs> like this is amazing. It's so much easier to just emailing all these different people. Okay. In fact, if it hadn't been for Dave, because Dave had been to a lot of the places that I put in my new book that I haven't been, like, example, Easter Island. Right. I've never been there, but David has. So, you know, when I was doing it, I said, David, take a look and see if there's anything that I may have not, you know, may not be accurate or that maybe I should elaborate on. And he said, yeah, I want to fix a couple things there, you know, and here, you know. So, I mean, he definitely – I, I'm I'm excited to see how it's going to come out because he definitely had a hand in this one than he did the other one. That's great. When it comes out, you'd, um, you're definitely welcome to come back in the podcast again. Oh, I think we're putting it out next month. I think he said he was shooting for next month. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah, this will sort of be our pre-show to the release and we'll do an after show. <laughs> <laughs> That would be good, man. Yeah. And uh, do you have like a website where my listeners can find you? No, not at this time. I used to. I'm getting ready to start up a new one. Um, I need to. I do have my Facebook page, Robert Robinson Legend Tripper, where I do post every a lot of stuff that I find on the internet. Right. And they can also get your books, uh, Woodnox Volume 3 and Legend Tripping. Are they available on Amazon? Uh, yes, they are. Right. Uh, I mean, of course, you can get Legend Tripping over at the, from the publisher, uh, Adventures Unlimited Press. They sell them. But they are, mm -hmm. they are available on, uh, on Amazon. Great. Well, thank you for being on my show. Thank you for having me. And um, we'll definitely do this again when your new book comes out. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> I look forward to it coming out. I'm real excited about it. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And I'm going to call that a wrap. All right. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. Which I would be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. And Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everythingimaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. You know, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.